Welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hartley. This podcast exists to inspire and encourage your heart-centered leadership. Each week, I share interviews with some of the greatest heart-centered leaders in the world. And I hope that our time spent together helps you leave a heart print where those around you are left better than yesterday. Please visit abty.co.uk if you would like us in your corner. These interview sessions are brought to you by Matt Media Online Marketing, an independent agency who specialize in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want to get your business seen through the power of social media, head to mattmedia.online. On episode 215, I am joined by entrepreneur and keynote speaker, Chris Hall. Chris is the CEO and founder of The Burnt Chef Project, which was established in May 2019 with the sole intention of eradicating mental health stigma within hospitality. The Burnt Chef Project is a globally recognized not-for-profit social enterprise, and they are fully committed to making the hospitality profession healthier and more sustainable by focusing on people's well-being first. If you are from the hospitality profession, I hope that you hear something in the next hour in our conversation with Chris that gives you hope, that makes you feel empowered, and that gives you some uh, signposting and some resources to things that may make your well-being better, your team and your organization a little bit better. If you are not from the hospitality industry, I know that there will be many crossovers and that you will love hearing from Chris and his heart for health, well-being and good people. Here we go, episode 215 with Chris Hall. Chris, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. How are you, mate? I'm very well, sir. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, like we we were just chatting off air that we... uh, the, the tables have turned. I now get to pose all my questions to you. <laughs> yeah, go gentle, go easy, right? Yeah, man. Thanks for joining. I'd love to get into some of your business ventures, but I'd love to know a little bit about your backstory. Um, we're we're West Country based, aren't we? Is, is that where you've always come from? Uh, no, no. I'm actually I'm born and bred in Bournemouth, uh, yeah. which for anyone who doesn't know Bournemouth, it's, oh, it's the best place it's the best place in the world. Um, in my humble opinion, it's got seven miles of pure, beautiful beach. It's got decent weather most of the year round. Uh, you've got the new forest. So yeah, that's originally where I was born. But I moved to Somerset, a place called uh, uh, Castle Carey about oh, crikey, 10 years ago now, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, almost to the day, actually. So I swapped my my surf shorts and my surfboard for wellies. And uh, yeah, open expanse of greenland yeah nice i um in doing my research as you do i uh i came across one of your posts where there was this this must i think you must have been using a gopro and it was this transition between wearing hat and glasses into into the snorkel i was like yeah that's definitely a vibe oh man, you are deep diving right that's on that's on some that's on uh yeah you how you found that was very impressive <laughs> well that'll be on yeah you found the top my, of photos work. of me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I found the select folder. But um, yeah, man, like, so one of your, your really powerful projects you're leading at the moment, the Burnt Chef Project, it seems to be a whole lot of purpose to that work. And 
And I know enough about purpose that there's often a lot of pain within purpose. Is that, would that be fair of your story? Would that, that be true of your story? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's very true. Uh, so the, the, the project that I run now is, is all geared towards opening conversations and building education around mental health, specifically within hospitality. And yeah, it came, it came from a place that was steeped in, I was going to say discomfort, but yeah, it was, it was troubling. So I, for, for many years, um, had worked in hospitality, uh, usually as a barman, uh, down in some busy nightclubs down in Bournemouth. Um, but all of my main sort of role was sales and marketing. Mm. And I eventually fell into hospitality full time about, crikey, probably about 14 years ago now, mm -hmm. uh, where I started supplying fine dining ingredients to restaurants. And it was great. You know, I got to be in, in the behind the scenes, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the kitchens, the engine rooms of these are fantastic organizations producing these beautiful pieces of food and getting to light fires in people's eyes when you're talking about Peruvian yams or Australian finger limes, which look like they're from outer space mm -hmm. or, you know, truffles that we were importing. But I was a bit of a charlatan, really, in respect that I hadn't, I came across quite confident. It was part of my job, I had to be confident and extrovert. But I hadn't ever really grown inner confidence. I'd never really established who Chris Hall was, who I was as an individual. And the best way that I can describe it is I think that during our development phases, when we are sort of young adolescents, when we're in our teenagers, we get to this stage where we either go, I'm gonna, I am who I am, and I'm comfortable and I'm happy with that. Or you get to perhaps the stage that I was, which was, I have got no clue, I am in free fall here. Mm. And it's do or die, effectively, which is I'm going to have to conform to what people expect me to be until this magic happens and I find myself. But unfortunately, you take on that persona of conformity and people pleasing and never saying no and never wanting to upset anyone. And ultimately, if someone says to you, you are the king of Spain, you'll go, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I am the king of Spain. And or if someone comes to you with quite polarizing views to yours, you end up giving up all of your own mm. core beliefs or gut instinct on what your core beliefs were at that stage. And going, yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. And, and you, you just you, you pander. Mm. So <clears throat> that led me into a position when I was working in um, working in food wholesale supply. And my boss was at the time, he was very good. He's a South African chap. And he said to me, Chris, as a sales manager, you know, you're managing a team of five people now. He said, one, you're not always going to be liked. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Which was jarring for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the other thing he said was, if you don't like dealing with someone, if you your gut instinct is telling you not to do something and deal with someone, then I'm happy if you want to turn down business based on the fact that you don't like that individual and I trust your instinct with that. And again, that completely and utterly sent me into a, a spin because I was like, no, you have to do everything that people tell you to do, be who people tell you to be. So that was really the catalyst for when I started to sink into um, a bit of a depression, a bit yeah. of an identity crisis that ultimately led me to 
self-medication i started using uh, drugs and alcohol and quite self-destructive behaviors i wasn't able to express myself very well and the smallest thing would send me off into an emotional spin mm-hmm. um, and i've become quite passive aggressive for quite a long period of time as well mm-hmm. <clears throat> i got to the stage where i basically packed my bags and said i'm leaving home i'm leaving my kids i'm leaving my wife i'm i'm the problem is me, so the best thing that I can do is get away because it's never going to get any better. Mm. To which my wife turned around and went, "What the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where's this mm. coming from? Like, yeah. what? What is this even about?" So I was fortunate enough at that stage to be able to pay for some uh, private therapy, yeah. um, and it was purely out of desperation. I, I didn't know what to do, and so I did what any normal person would do. I, I, I found the therapist. I booked the therapist and then I started booking fake appointments in my work diary and my personal diary so that no one knew that I was going to see the therapist. It was yep. all business stuff. Sure. And so I turned up at her door, this massive red door. And before I knocked on it, I took a look to my left and a okay. quick look around me and I was just making sure that no one had followed me there before i went in and that was really my 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 defining moment when it comes to the subject of stigma anyway long story short over six sessions i managed to re perhaps you know as they do they walk you back through time they find some of the key defining moments that that when you made those decisions Mm. and interestingly enough and and you and i have spoken about um, gut instinct and and core values i can remember as clear as day when i was about 13 years old mm-hmm. when i made that decision to conform sure and i remember swallowing that and i remember at that time my instincts going this is going to hurt you right but not really understanding what that feeling was yeah and here we are then the best part of 20 years later going oh fuck yeah that really did hurt mm. what was that situation it was I was with a girlfriend at the time, actually. I was with a group. And people, the, the terminology that used to sit with me was, you should be more like, yeah. you should do this. Don't do that. Be like this. And those used to conflict mm-hmm. with me because I'm like, that's not me. That's not who I am authentically. Yeah. But I was too young. And so I went, okay, okay. you, yes. Yeah. yeah, I respect your authority over me. And that's yeah. exactly how I should I should be. And even later in life, when people were like, Chris, just be yourself. And I was like, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I can do that. I should be. And then I would end up conforming to what I thought their view of me was. And then, yeah. then that fractured relationships, because they were like, why are you acting so differently for and you're like, Oh, my God, yeah. like, so yeah, that that was it, really. And so six, six months of therapy, um two years of self-discovery in terms of a lot of education a lot of developing myself you know reading books on psychology on mental illness on business development Mm. or just expanding into the void that is life rather than waiting for it to come to me and then the burnt chef project was born uh, an opportunity to start to tackle the stigmas and hopefully give people an opportunity to experience some of mm. the realization and the 
confidence mm. that I have managed to achieve in, in the best part of six years. I love that. Hey friends, just wanted to take a moment to ask if you are a good man seeking growth and good men to grow with. Or maybe your partner's a good man and he's seeking good men to grow with. We are launching Akira, our council of good men who are seeking to walk the path of wisdom with other good men. Akira launches in March. Now is the opportunity to become a founding member of Akira. It will be a low-cost, high-value place for men where they'll benefit from support, challenge, accountability, ideas and solutions. There'll be opportunity for connection and collaboration where you'll receive new insights and perspectives. You'll gain learning and growth. It will improve your mental, spiritual and physical well-being and it will help you be a better leader in the home, in business and in life. It's Akira, a council of good men seeking to walk the path of wisdom with other good men. We hope to see you on the inside. See the show notes for the links, abty.co.uk forward slash Akira. And here we go. Back to the interview. I um, have a lot of respect and admiration for anyone that's willing and able to share their story in that such a way. So I really, really hats off and appreciate you you being able to do that. And um, I, I like the, the play on words, burnt chef, you know, because in, in many ways many people in the hospitality trade are burned out and they're burned <laughs> quite often at the very hands of the industry that they serve. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and there's a story uh, that comes attached to that name as well. Um, funny enough, actually the Washington post have just been on, on the phone and this isn't name dropping at all, yeah, but the, <laughs> the purpose of uh, of that was is that their Michelin guide have just released or are about to release their new Michelin ratings yes. and a couple of three star businesses in France have just been dropped to two star see even the word dropped it sounds so negative <laughs> yeah. had a star removed maybe temporarily until they gain it back but the the article was about the impact that that has the impact of one obtaining those stars, yes, but also the impact of losing those stars has on the in, on the organisation. So that leads me to the reason why the Burnt Chef project was called the Burnt Chef, and it starts with many. Once I'd recovered uh, and once I'd started to look outwards rather than inwards, yes, I was having conversations with a good friend of mine, Pete Toff, and he was saying to me here are all my stories. Here are the stories when I worked at this restaurant. Here are the stories of when I crashed my car and, you know, when I was under the, over the limit and here, here, you know, here, blah, 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 blah. And I said, but why Pete, why, like, why are all these stories so prominent? And, and yeah. whilst they sound quite dramatic, they're not unique. He said, well, that's just hospitality. He says, I, I, I'm thinking about writing a book about how I got burnt out as a burnt out chef. Yeah. And I went, Oh, mate, can I, do you mind if I use that? He was like, what for? And I was like, and on the past during service, I drew this crude, crude silhouette and just shaded half the face and it looked awful. And I said, I want to raise awareness for the fact that it doesn't have to be like this anymore. Mm. And that's where the, the burnt chef project came from. And, and yes, it is burnt out. Yes, it is. I mean, burnout is a prolific issue within our in our sector specifically. Um, Ninety percent of people 
within hospitality at some stage based on data have experienced some form of burnout um but then also there's the physical burning as well and i still get people ask me now the burnt chef project what do you do do you burn people do you say <laughs> yeah like, come and join our club whilst we, uh, <laughs> yeah like that's no we're, we're not into torture that's not our thing <laughs> but yeah that that was really the inception of the burnt chef project it was lots of conversations sat on greasy oil barrels at the back of a kitchen during break time we're just going why mm. and people going well this, this is the problem this is the problem it will never change it will never change and i'm going i've managed to change mm. And I think that we can change, even if it's just one business at a time. Yeah. And four years on, yeah, we're 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 moving. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a quick moment to introduce the new official sponsor of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, Matt Media Online Marketing. Matt Media have been involved in the production of over 100 interview sessions. I highly recommend their services. Matt Media Online Marketing are an independent agency who specialize in content marketing, helping business owners get their message seen by the right audience. If you want your business seen through the power of social media, head to mapmedia.online. You can find the link in the show notes. And here we go, back to the interview. Taking over the world. I love that. I love that. I know that my brother, Zach, he's, he's been in the hospitality industry for 15 years since he pretty much left school at 16. And, you know... So he loves what you represent, loves what you stand for. And um, one of the things that, um, that I think is really, really powerful, really important is, is that the whole service is represented by people. You know, it's, it's people that you go to work with. It's people that you end up, you know, whether your suppliers, they're people, your, the, your clients, the, the people that cut the customers, they, it's all it's people. And and I know that you've got some great reports on your website, the research that you've done, and like the unique qualities of the hospitality trade is is in effect the power is run by the people. Like there there is you know, whilst they're big businesses, whilst they're like awards, and whilst there are the you know it, it all falls to shit for the people on showing up every single day and in many respects and i'd love to know your view around the impact of covid because i think your industry got absolutely savaged is you know at at what point do people start to realize if you look after your people you you end up getting better environments better service it's a good question initially and 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 this is going to be full disclosure here because i I'm, I'm very one of my core values that i established was transparency and authenticity now right okay and so one of my thoughts when i started the burnt chef project as and i was like this is a thought that i've i've had conversations with about other business owners not necessarily related for the not-for-profit sector mm. but that anxiety over oh my God, what happens if someone can do this better than me? What happens if there's a, a solution to the problem that my business is designed to do? And during the early days, I was like, oh, what happens if someone figures out the magic pill to, to you know, mental illness or to, to burnout or to the issues that the, the industry is facing? But I've come to the conclusion now that it's not just one person, it's mm-hmm. a collaboration of people. And to go back to your original point, there is no quick fix for this. There's no long term 
there's no time frame. It's uh, it's an what's the it's an equal sum it's equal sum game to to misquote I think um, Simon Sinek, which is like this there's, there's this is an infinite game. But what drives this is that the more individuals, the people who make up this sector, yep. are on board with this, yep. the quicker we'll be able to get to a, a result that allows us to have that balance and you're right covid was this big wake up it was this paradigm shift of people going fuck mm. i've busted my guts mm. day in day out for a business that perhaps doesn't necessarily value me or doesn't have the right culture or ethics that i i align with and now i'm sat at home with a family that i don't really spend much time with mm -hmm. I can hear nature and birds around me for the first time. I've suddenly become aware. Mm -hmm. And it was that breath of fresh air that people have gone, oh. and for most of us, you know, we, we went back to our workplace and we went, okay, time to go on, not comfortable with it, but mm -hmm. you know, let's get on. Whereas people in hospitality have gone, I don't want to go back into that environment. It's not conducive to my my health and well-being. So I love the industry. I love my craft. I love my passion. But I'm going to need to give that up mm. to pursue a career as you know, in retail or in in laboring or you know in marketing, whatever it might be. And the thing about hospitality and anyone who's worked in hospitality is it is a bug. It bites you. It, mm. Your heart it will always remain in hospitality. Mm. But the fact that it has to be work in hospitality and give up your health and well-being or leave your heart in hospitality and take a job in, in another sector mm. is a really, really sad thing. And it's something that we need to change. Yeah, and I don't believe in the whole you can't have your, your cake and eat it. I, I, what's the point? Have your cake and eat it. Do you know what I mean? You can have both, um, but it requires a, a, a kind of, I guess we're looking at, we look at the individual and then we have to look at the system and and i think so uh, i I've, i asked my audience if they had a question and someone who works in the industry who will remain nameless has asked this question which is around do you think companies actively engage in your work actively retweet some of your stuff um as a way of almost virtue signaling like almost pledging moral support but then maybe there's a disconnect between the reality around how that might show up in their culture and leadership yeah i think that's a great question i said yes that's not my response to that question i think that it's a question that we come across quite regularly <clears throat> or come across not against so here's here's what i have to say on that I think that yes, in any industry and ours specifically, I think that there are going to be people who use our brand as a tick box exercise. Mm -hmm. I think that that is very plausible. I think we do our best as an organization to ensure that we understand the subtle nuances of that organization. Um, we have been burnt once or twice where we work with certain organizations or individuals that don't embody what we are set out to do. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would also say is that when we start looking at national companies with multiple sites, 
their partnership with us and their intentions may be completely and utterly pure, mm -hmm. but what you don't see is that trickle through to each mm -hmm. individual silo. Yeah, and right. so we see that quite frequently with some of the large businesses where they go, well, my manager doesn't value me. You know, this is how they've treated me. And that experience was very valid. Mm -hmm is not necessarily representative of the entire organization. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we need to throw into that is time. You know, we've only been going for four years, yeah. our corporate packages and our, our training and our relationships with the corporate side of the sector have only really developed over two years. Mm -hmm. In order to change an entire company's culture, there is a ton of education, mm. support systems, awareness, and time that's required in order to turn that that cruise line or that oil tanker around. So, mm. yes, in short, I do think that there are some occasions where people might use use the brand specifically to elevate their their brand or their their situation. But I also think that if we have got a partnership with any organization, and you work for one of those organizations, and you have concerns about the independent site that you work for, then do raise it with the exec team, because mm. we don't bite our tongue. When we go into organizations, and we work with some um, you know, massive brands, we run out our training with the exec team and I say to them at that stage, when we come in and train, I will ask of your teams what we expect to see in the, in, in the industry, which is if you're uncomfortable with something, speak mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. If your systems aren't correct, say so. Mm -hmm. You know, this is an opportunity to create change. If we went in and just said, <clears throat> oh, we're here to do some, some training for you. Mm. and um, we're going to leave afterwards and you know take take with it what you will we're just we're just soft touching mm. what we're trying to do here is create hospitality 2.0 uh, an industry whereby my children can come into this sector mm -hmm. and i have no worries about their mental or physical health and i know that they can have a long sustained career potentially even with the same employer and i'm not going to do that by not creating waves. Mm. So businesses allow us into their organizations with that on that premise. So if you are working for an organization like that, then please do mm. speak out because there is someone there that initially at the exec team that have got us on board and that have allowed us into those organizations to say, guys, you're the change, be the change that you want to see. And if that's not happening, then let's look at how we address that. I love that. That's a great answer, great nuance. And I think one of the powerful things that excites me about your movement is that it is a movement that because because we I think we talked on on your show, which was about there's one thing around influencing change at a government level and, and how that kind of plays out, but also building this movement of people. When you connect with the hearts and the minds of the people that you are representing, your maybe your ambassadors, the people that are in this industry that they are then championing everything that you and that's that that creates a, a mass movement and I, and I love the fact that you've got the uh the instagram kind of thing over your shoulder because when you and i were talking i think that was just flipping round and round and round and, and it's it, it's just testament to show that it's it's a it's a movement that continues to to build and grow and it, it's it's powerful there'll be a tipping point 
Yeah, right. Well, it's all systems change. We have, and I've always said, me personally, I have a moral obligation and a duty to the hospitality community. Mm-hmm. That's both to the individuals and also to the businesses in order to create long-term sustained change. Yeah. Now, I get it. When you're in the thick of it, it's, that's your reality. And it might seem that change is impossible. Yeah. And we are working as fast as we can. It does take time. There are certain areas, geographical locations, certain businesses that will move faster than others. And it's all going to take time. But we're asking for you to help us. The more people out there going, I want to see change in these areas. And understanding that if you don't necessarily see change within that organization, there are other organizations out there who are making those changes and who will offer the type of things that you're looking for. So never feel like all of your eggs have to be in one basket with regards to that, but help us make people more aware that there is no excuse anymore. The education is there. The tools are there. The support networks are there. The awareness is there. There's no 10 years ago where people will go, that's just the way it is, you know, like it or lump it. We're here and we're here to make change. So in terms of the full offering of the Burnt Chef, you've got e-learning, you've got your podcast, you've got your journals, you've got your training and education, uh, first aid, mental first aid, mental health first aid training. Tell me about yeah. this well-being app. <clears throat> okay, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna geek out a little bit over this yeah. because I, I I truly believe that it is it's gonna come across like a sales pitch as well. So I'm gonna to have to think carefully about how I <laughs> how I talk about this. So we've partnered with Thrive Mental Wellbeing, who came to us about a year ago and said, "Look, we don't do anything with hospitality. Hospitality just won't won't engage with us." And and this is what we hear. This is what I heard back four years ago when I was chatting to our local mind. Hospitality won't use us. And they said to us, we've got something that we think would be beneficial. And based on clinical data, we know it's going to be beneficial to your audience. Mm -hmm. And so we partnered with them with the view to increasing their reach within hospitality. Thrive is a well-being app that puts individuals in control of their own mental health and hygiene and fitness Um, so think about headspace dial it up on on steroids and that's what thrive is in the first instance so it has muscle relaxation techniques guided imagery cbt modules it has um sleep Uh, modules to help you get to sleep which is a big prominent issue within hospitality so that's all the nice nice hundred plus hours of content that you can do in easily digestible formats in your own time but the main part of thrive and the reason why we we promote it and we work with businesses and embedding this is that it has a proactive therapy element. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by proactive is that all of most businesses in many sectors will have EAP schemes. So I've got an EAP scheme. You yep. get a little card when you start the employment, you put it in your wallet or your purse, and then it gets all crinkled and wrinkled and you've forgotten about. And you think, oh, that's not for me or not for me currently. And then you forget it's there. Also, with EAP schemes, nine times out of ten, if you've lost the number or if you don't know it, you'll have to speak to your HR team. Mm -hmm. There's that stigma around, well, if I, and it still happens in hospitality, unfortunately, but there's that stigma around, if I say I'm unwell, it's Mm going to put my job at risk. Mm -hmm. 
And so there's there's all of these things. Uh, average engagement rates are what one to two percent on EAP schemes. So businesses are spending a lot of money on these systems, and they're not necessarily being embedded or used enough. Mm-hmm. With Thrive, when you go on and you do your your daily mood journal, it accurately predicts where potential mild moderate to severe mental health issues are and it does it by rating you against the generalized anxiety disorder matrix and also the phq matrix as well which is the depression scale and these are used internationally not just by the nhs if you ping up on those even during the early stages because one of the big issues that i had is i was unwell and had to wait for it to get to critical right. mass until I actually did something about it. So it's like having a cold and like having a, like the beginning parts of a cold. Mm. What this does is it will ping a message to a therapist. The therapist will immediately ping you a message. You'll get it through on your phone like a text message. And it'll be like, hey, it's Lauren or it's Jeff here. I noticed that perhaps you're not doing as well as you usually do. That's okay. You have unlimited therapy. We can do it face-to-face virtually. Mm. We can do it by a phone call. We can do it by this chat chat system. I'm here. Whenever you're ready, use me. What they find is that 96% of people who get pinged that message use therapy. Oh, wow. There is an 86% recovery rate compared to uh, mm. the NHS, which I think is around mid-50s percent yep. at the moment. Mm-hmm. And so it starts, it pummels straight through that stigma. It pummels straight through how do I get help? It Mm -hmm. puts it right in your lap and it hopefully gets into the stage where actually there's a better chance of recovery earlier on because you're stemming it before it really gets going. But there are, you know, again, if you are experiencing long-term mental health issues, you can also just ping a message to these therapists and their response time is less than 10 minutes. So you don't have to wait on the NHS waiting list for 14, 15 months. You don't have to pay 60 pound a session privately. This is the very same therapist day in, day out that you can use unlimited via the app. So that's something that we're really, really working hard to get as many hospitality businesses, both supply chain and also restaurants and hotels to put in place for their teams Mm. so that actually we can start to tackle the stigma and also the mental health issues that we're seeing. I love that. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. And I and I think when we said about the cake and eat it earlier around, you could look at the individual and maximize everything for the individual, but no amount of chronic stress is going to be solved by, you know, um, the individual trying to take care of that. Because it's almost like they come out of the fire, they go home, they dust themselves off, and then they come back into it again. And at some point, we have to learn to create an environment which is conducive to a human being, right? And and I think one of the best ways that we can do that for people is to give them a good leader, um, create a, an environment where people can come do their best work, feel equipped, feel connected, feel safe, whatever that might be, and then go home, not spent, but ultimately better for those who need them. When I was in the police, I felt like I gave and I gave and I gave to the point where they got the best of me and then my family got the rest of me. Mm. And I know that, you know, for many people in the industry, they'll work ridiculously long hours, they'll spend their rest days kind of recovering and sleep patterns are all over the place, you know, 
um probably in biscuits and comfort eating <laughs> like we were just oh, oh, throwing shade over my digestive uh, yeah 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 I mean, I, I'll, I'll take <laughs> i'll take full accountability I'm a, I'm a i'm an ice cream kind of guy when i'm when i do this i eat my feelings in ice cream but but that that these are the sort of things that that people are dealing with over the long term it, it goes beyond i think i think stress in a human being is what the purpose of it was in the short-term moments was in the dealing with this situation in some way i need to fight or flight i need to fight or get out of there but the the difficult thing for this industry is that they are having micro stress for long periods of time whether that be the clock causing that the performance the leadership the long hours the lack of sleep whatever those micro stresses are be stress becomes almost something that that we wear and and that leads down the line to kind of you know some more chronic illnesses and 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 things and physical challenges so it's a drug right it's it's a, it's a drug like right. the reason why i enjoyed working in bars after finishing a 9 hour yeah, sales manager role is that it's it's that addiction of this feels great. I, I'm really enjoying this. So there's that buzz. And to go back to the, the whole Thrive thing, I think that this is just one part of a bigger puzzle, as you very correctly said. You know, it's very well and good providing therapeutic services on mass, unlimited. But if you're putting people back into that, it's it's like it's like having a fireman, right? And the fireman turns up to put the fire in your house out. Then immediately you go back in, you light the fire again, and you sit there until it gets warm and toasty, right? Mm -hmm. There's a number of different things, such as leadership, such as stress mitigation, such as culture, such as perks, such as pay. All of these things actually mean that you can provide the therapeutic services, but unless you're working and things like our leadership diploma and, and various other bits and bobs, unless you've got those in place at the same time, mm. it's just, a, again, you have to be prepared to go for an all systems change. One of the things that your bounce back report um, had in it is that 78% of respondents felt like the industry would be worse off after the lockdowns. And I don't know whether I've quoted those words specifically, but it's this belief that things wouldn't get better uh, or or actually they may get worse. And, and for me, that speaks to an absence of hope. And, and I think that's kind of a, a real difficult place for people to be, because if you have an absence of hope, like I guess the present, to quote Johan Hari, the present pain will feel permanent. Well, I oh, thank you for bringing that up because I, very rarely go back and look at those studies. We use them as, as fuel and ammunition to yep. guide the way in which the project develops and the services and tools that we develop. But what happened? Yeah. You know, the, the to, to, to use your words, the absence of hope meant that people had to, and going back to what I was saying earlier, choose their profession carefully because they realized that actually they weren't likely to get change in their lifetime within the hospitality industry so they've had to go and find something else and i guess that is probably a demonstration of, of what you've just you've just said really mm -hmm. 
but I think that rather than sounding doom and gloom, I'm very much a case of let's deal with the facts, let's deal with the reality, and actually let's start to celebrate the the, the wins. Mm. What we are seeing in small pockets that are growing is that reassemblance of hope that, oh, shit, this guy's actually doing what he's saying he's doing or businesses actually starting to make those small tweaks like one company we work with just small tweaks like they gave all their managers a separate mobile phone mm. which doesn't sound like much right and if you're working yeah. in the insurance sector or the financial industry you think well that that's like a given right yeah, yeah. but by giving their managers a second mobile phone and then explicit permission to turn that phone off on their days off yeah. what they have just done is given people time to to rest yes. and recoup now that's a small tweak a small change another company we're working with has just put in place medical insurance so that their teams get cash back for going to see the doctor which during the current economical climate is is worthwhile but it also gives them access to 24-hour gp in private healthcare cover you know can you imagine and for anyone who's worked in hospitality think back just five ten years ago where you would go that that wouldn't even be on the perk mm. list it'll be like right your shift is you're gonna get paid for 45 hours Suck it you're up. gonna do do 80 yeah, yeah. oh you, you've cut yourself or you're not well enough to be at work look can you just suck it up and, and get on with sure. it today um you don't really let the side down because we're we're understaffed etc but we're actually, there are businesses out there now who are making these changes mm. to re-establish that hope. And what we have got to do as the Burnt Chef Project is promote yeah. those changes rather than focus on everything that we haven't done as an industry. Mm. And that's a really important thing. We need to give people that hope. Give them a reason to come back mm. safely. Mm. Yeah, love that. And um, um... One of the things you touched on earlier around the three-star to the two-star mentality. In policing, they have an inspectorate called the HMIC FRS, and they would go in and inspect. And a couple of our local forces have um, been put into what you would call special measures. And I think that is when the true test of leadership is is found, is, is during crises, right? And some will respond and, and the organization will turn up for each other. And I think others will respond in a certain way where people kind of turn in on each other. And I, and I think the image of leadership many people might have of the, of, the, of the hospitality industry is one of the Gordon Ramsay type leadership on the TV, shouting and screaming at each other. It almost looked like they're turning in on each other. Like that type of leadership is just going to have people operating out of their their arousal like the stress arousal like you're not feeling safe you're not going to get clear logic thought fit you know a human being in a state of stress doesn't have access to their prefrontal cortex which is the bit that makes us human or our ability to think logically rationally and make good smart decisions right so imagine if we're being shouted at <laughs> we're not going to make the best decisions like is that a myth is that just a is does that does that happen across the industry like What's your experience? It's, my personal experience is it has changed an awful lot in, yeah. in the period of time where I was going into kitchens. I remember one of the first kitchens I went into, I went in during service. I was a bit green behind the gills. Um, being front of house, I never really appreciated it. Um, 
and I walked in half past 12 and the look of fear, people looking up from their stations, they were in service, they were almost like shake, you know, like those, um, like those Disney films where it's like chicken run right. and they're, they're, there's, there's, um, the farmer's wife coming in with a cleaver and all the chickens are there going, no, no, don't go out. Yeah, don't don't yeah, leave the cage. Yeah. That was like that scenario. And I walk in and the chef was like, what the fuck are you doing in my kitchen? Get the hell out of it. Wow. And I literally manhandling me out. And that's started to change. I think with a new wave of um, certainly in the chef systems, people who he either a had experienced that and had been damaged by it or be free thinking individuals had gone actually that's not conducive to good well-being and health that's not going to get the most out of my team as a leader and so we have started to see a change on, on that, res that that respect does it go on probably especially in in again to play devil's advocate in a high stress environment whereby perhaps that leader hasn't thought through the implications of their actions because they're running on emotion mm -hmm. and adrenaline. So it takes a um, very, very emotionally intelligent individual in a perhaps a lower stress environment to actually be able to create that change. Yeah. That's really interesting and, and i think when you even use the words emotionally intelligent like that is a that is a completely separate topic to being highly competent at whatever it is that you're doing because there's one skill set that makes you good at your job and then there's another skill set that enables you to lead others that are good at their job yeah right and then this is again another dynamic when people say to us oh look the industry is so big you're never going to be able to make change mm -hmm. it's been flipping hard to try and work out and identify the pinch points and so yeah you've got this emotional emotional intelligence um element which is perspective over oneself perspective over the wider situation and an ability to understand that everyone is slightly different and their resilience levels are different so there's that that natural emotional maturity i guess and, and that ability to practice emotional intelligence mm. But then also you've got a skill gap shortage within hospitality because turnover rates are between 100 and 400 percent in organizations. So you're never really getting sustained employment, sustained opportunity or time to yeah. train individuals yeah. in what it takes to be an effective leader and give them the tools in order to do that. So you've got this cluster F of a situation whereby actually you haven't got the time, the fire's up your ass, you've got the stress, you don't really care about how you get to the results as long as you get there. And if that involves being boisterous and loud, then so be it. Plus also, no one's ever really shown you a better way. So there's a lack mm -hmm. of understanding on, on how to be better. And so that's the reality. That's what you've got. And that's what you're going to pass down to the people below you as well. Yeah. And so it's, um, yeah it's it's an interesting scenario one that i think that only our industry really experiences to to the level that we do before i move on to your other projects um how can people get involved 
head over to our website, I think, first and foremost. So theburntchefproject.com and or check out our social media channels, which you can find by The Burnt Chef Project. Um, we have just released today our 2022 social impact report. Mm-hmm. It's two months later than expected, but it turns out it was quite jam-packed and we had a bit of difficulty with it. Um, have a look through that. Just see... Again, talking about paradigm shifts and perspective tilts, have a look at that. And and it's still very small. It's still less than 1% of the total industry. But the impact that we've had in just one year, mm-hmm. if we can continue to scale and continue to grow, and we're off to Canada in April to launch in Canada, you know, we are starting to make moves. Mm-hmm. If we can continue to keep up maybe not at the same pace, because also as the project, mm-hmm. hospitality professionals were guilty of perhaps running a little bit too quick at times. But if we can continue to grow that, what we have isn't a, a small percentage, it's the majority. So check us out. If you want to become an ambassador, do so. If you're a business looking at putting in provi- providing some training or supportive structures, all the information is on there, clear to see. Love that. What's one of your most proud elements of that social impact? Good question. So one of the key areas is twofold. So we've worked with over 1,600 students in 12 months. So our team of ambassadors got 120 worldwide, Mm -hmm. have trained over 28 colleges Mm face-to-face in the last 12 months. We've done so at the cost of the project. that's the future generation of hospitality professionals understanding that they have mental health, what helpful and unhelpful coping strategies look like, and also providing them with the, with the permission to source suitable workplaces if their workplace doesn't value those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also trained 628 managers in mental health awareness. Mm-hmm. That, again, face-to-face mental health awareness um plus 154 well-being champions so these individuals have been trained fully in mental health we've started talking to them about stress risk assessments within organizations which is a critical part to reducing the 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 extremely high rates of mental illness um there's so there's so many key things i mean we've been at 50 events last year our ambassador network continues to grow But again, hospitality brain of mine goes, need to do better, need to do more, need to nail this again and and push, keep pushing, um, whilst also trying to manage the expectations of myself and my team and embody and be the change that we expect to see. It's um, it's always a challenge. It's great. I love love the impact. And, uh, you know, the way I kind of describe that to people is look back how far you've come um and it's cool i call it eagle you know in the way that the eagle has to perch it looks back sees how far it's come gains in this moment what it needs sees where it's off and off it goes again Hmm. yeah and and it is it's a metric like we have had certain critical points within the burnt chef projects since inception that have guided our trajectory they haven't always been easy to hear but we have Mm -hmm. taken those you know one one of the um 
once upon a time there was a social media page and i'm not going to bring it any more attention than it needs but it was reflective of the emotions and feelings of the individual of individuals within the trade which was let's set fire to this whole fucking thing and we don't care what happens mm -hmm. and off the back of that that was really difficult because we were in the firing line of that for not setting fire to it with them and pouring right, more right, gasoline right. or petrol onto it and we took two weeks out and then project flame was born and project flame was an internal project which actually started to look at what was the underlying messages what were the issues and from that our level four workplace management apprenticeship was born mm -hmm. with a level three mental health awareness qualification built into it yeah you know more work was done on things like trauma support etc so that we ended up listening to those messages and it was really hard to hear especially when it felt like everything that we'd worked so hard for was just yeah. completely and utterly getting burnt to the ground but in reality it was that perspective it was that stepping back and going is it our fault no do we have a, a um a, can we have an impact on this in future Yes. Does it involve us getting involved and chucking more wood onto that fire? No, it doesn't. It involves us remaining true to our goals, putting in place solutions to these issues and doing a better job of promoting those solutions. I love that. I once interviewed a, a leadership guy called John Gordon. He's written a number of books, one of them called The No Complaining Rule. Uh, and he says that complaining is is allowed on, on one condition, that in some way that, that it reveals some form of opportunity to learn, grow and improve. So if there's complaints that are just completely mindless, like for any leader, it's just, OK, well, you can't do anything with that because it's not coming from a place of being able to do something with it and help. But there will be a section of people that don't know how to articulate what could be better what could be improved and it's your job to go look and learn and do exactly what you've just done which is okay what can we do about this yeah definitely because as you're going back to your original point it's a people focused industry and what we need yeah. to do is turn our attention from the service of others and start servicing ourselves we need mm -hmm. to learn how to build empathic teams that value work life that value your health and well-being that value your development as a as an individual mm. aside from what you give them as a business and um, doing so will help breed a new wave of hospitality professionals that don't go into the industry and replicate what they've seen before in a negative connotation oh it's so tough isn't it because i can just feel that like I, I know that even from my brother's perspective like he's pulled multiple days 10 15 days straight sacrificing day off because numbers are short and it's like because you don't want to let the team down mm. and it's like the very modeling of that might be going actually do you know what to reveal the problem to to explain to site management the problem and how unsustainable this is i might not need to go in today and the very human in him would be like i don't let my mates down all of my teammates down but some at some point we've got to start finding those boundaries and like you say pour into self because that's not selfish it's self-full and, mm. and in coming to that environment they get a better version of us but yeah so well oh, i could just feel that on my heart as you said it with the um beyond the project you've got another business a bit more of a fun business <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um i perhaps have an overactive brain i like to be busy um 
And the Burnt Chef project does take up, uh, you know, a considerable amount of time, countless hours uh, a week, which is good. It's fulfilling. It's it's a purpose. But I also need something that was um, that provided. I don't know, just something different, really, for me for, to challenge my own entrepreneurial spirit and to challenge the my own growth, mm -hmm. um, as well as provide something that was a little bit different that wasn't necessarily hospitality related. So I own uh, an outdoor activity center, a laser tag company, um, which our predominant customer is completely different from our, our burnt <laughs> chef customer. It's yeah, anyone from the age of eight uh, 17 um with the exception of a few adults specifically dads and, and mums who just want to get involved in the sessions yeah. yeah and it's really really nice because one you get to see people run around in fresh air even in what we've played in snow we've played yeah. in driving rain kids are running around in t-shirts they're that warm they're laughing they're developing their communication skills they're outside in nature, they're active. So all of these things are good for our well-being, right? Yeah, yeah. But also the parents are very appreciative of it as well. And it's good for me. It's good for me to be able to focus on the here and the now, run those, get get those customers to have the best experience possible. But in a really, really weird turn of events, serendipity has played a massive part in that as well. Mm -hmm. So two of my most recent bookings, one was the lead psychologist that worked with Help for Heroes on specifically on PTSD, coming right. to a little site in the middle of Somerset. Yeah. Um, she also um, wrote a statement for Prince Harry when one of his friends was lost to suicide in the military, wow. which is it's just I, I don't know how these things happen, really. That's um that's a subject for another day. And another lady was a mental health um, doctor who specializes in recovery of, of certain mental health conditions. And so these people have just, they didn't know about the Burnt Chef project before they came. Mm -hmm. They've just found their way here to book for their son or daughter's party. And you go, oh, you know, what do you do? Do you run this seven days a week? No, 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 I run another business. Oh, what's that for? Burnt Chef project is for mental health. Oh, right, well, here's what I do. And you're like, okay, um, that's really useful. And let's continue this conversation. The world is just it drops things into your into your path if you're if you're willing and ready to accept them. What do you believe that force to be? <laughs> Greater than I. Um <laughs> I'm I'm not a, a religious man, but I cannot deny that there is something. Whether that is frequencies, whether that is self-affirmations, whether that is a greater, greater power, whatever it might be, I don't want to define it because I'm just quite content to know it exists. Yeah. And if I continue to put out enough good energy for the right reasons, yeah, and be open to trusting your gut when it when it screams or shouts or puts something in your way then I'm quite content with that. So I don't really want to... Well, there's peace in that, isn't there? There's peace. And I think the reason I was so resistant to any of that stuff is because I couldn't understand it. And I think if you can get to the point where you're like, I'm going to never understand what this is, like, and I'm at peace with that, and I'll go with it, and I feel like there's it's got my back in some way, I think that's half the battle. Yeah. And also understanding that also your, your mood and your mindset can also bring about that negative, right. you know, 
You, you can guarantee yeah. that if you wake up and for some reason something's setting you off, something that you haven't resolved, and you, you, you're slumped in your posture and you get into work, you think, oh, oh fuck, I just don't even talk to me. I can't be asked. You can guarantee the first thing that will happen is you'll open the fridge door and it will stub your toe. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. you know, someone might snigger at you, which isn't their usual response if you're in a better frame of mind. And then that would set you off. And then you'll get splashed by the bus or step in some yeah, dog poo. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. you have to be aware. And you can't be positive and outward all the time. It's impossible. Yeah. But being able to identify that when you are in that funk, that either a accept it and come to terms with that and understand that it's not forever mm. or just do something to try and get you out of that funk. Like last night I was in a really bad mood. It was freezing cold. I went for a 5k run. I'm not a runner. I didn't take my asthma pump because yep, I'm that guy who has to take asthma pumps and I ended up walking half of it, running half of it. But I tell you what, when I got back, mm. I'd blown out those cobwebs and I Shit. wasn't in that funk anymore. So yeah, I think yeah. it's about being able to identify that you can bring about change as well and understanding what that looks like for you. Yeah, I love that. I mean, you and I could talk all day uh, and I'd love to ask you many more questions, but I want to be super respectful of your time. I have a word here, always better than yesterday, it's called heartprint. And it, it, the word is used to represent the ripple effect, the legacy, the impact that we leave. What do you think your heartprint will be? Similarly to when the Escoffier system came in and revolutionized the kitchen system, I hope that my immediate heartprint will be that we leave the hospitality industry in a healthier, more sustainable way than we felt it, which is means that people are happier, they're healthier, they can have better balance, um, less uh, instances of severe mental illness. But I think from a wider perspective, and the Burnt Chef Project is, is, is part of my journey currently, but I really want to empower others to realize their own potential. Because, and again, similarly to the laser tag, similarly to... Um, the technical analysis and forex trading that i do mm -hmm. what i've learned over the last five years is that my potential is only limited by my mindset or my time mm -hmm. and i think that a lot of us are, are taught from a very early age from a school age mm -hmm. this is your position sit in your position and hopefully something someday good will happen to you mm -hmm. But actually, in reality, what it is, is that never accept no for an answer. Mm. Never accept what you think you know about the world as the be all and end all currently. There is always personal growth and there's always growth in yourself. The only thing that defines that and just defines your achievability of goals is are you willing to invest the time, energy, and consume the resources in order to get there. And that's something I'm really passionate about helping others with. So that would be hopefully my, my heart print in the next yeah. 50 years. Love that. I haven't made space and time for your technical analysis and your Forex. Is there uh, anything you'd like to talk about on that front before we head off? 
Yeah, I mention it because one thing it has taught me is a great deal of emotional intelligence. It is the hardest, and I mean by far, like the Burnt Chef project is is a challenge, mm. but it is the hardest skill I've ever had to learn. And it's taken me so far two and a half years. But the thing that I've learned, and the big key thing that I've learned that I bring into my day-to-day work is to understand my emotional responses to different different scenarios Mm -hmm. and to acknowledge them but not necessarily to act on them straight away Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. in technical analysis if you do that Mm -hmm. the chances are you might get lucky but also Mm -hmm. you might get broke whereas what I've been able to do with with a lot of time this isn't something that Mm -hmm. I just wake up and go oh okay yeah I see this and so I feel this way and I'll act a different way but it has taught me that actually we are more than just our emotions uh, and to take that step back. And so it's been really, really useful for everything else that I do within life. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I have a little holding of, of crypto and um, safe to say when it all went downhill last year, I, uh, I panic sold on the red day and then end up rebuying. So I ended up losing a, a whole coin of some sort for the privileges of lack of emotional control (laughs) that's that's the psychology of markets though that's That's how markets work yeah they work on people they they the whole thing of even when you look back before uh, computer systems were around um pig pig futures so on on pig futures back in crikey back in post-war in order for them to um buy or sell what they used to do is they used to create news so they'd be like oh my god there's a shortage of pigs at the moment in the market you're not going to be able to get your full quota that then forces people into this emotional state where they go christ we need to buy as many pigs as we can get hold of at the moment in order to be able to sell them and make a profit meanwhile all these people with a surplus stock of pigs are going great we'll sell we will sell these at a premium rate yeah let's keep going Mm -hmm. and the same works in reverse as well you know you look at the crypto market for example Elon Musk is buying Bitcoin, you know, Coinbase IPOs and goes public listing. That was right at the peak of the market. So all of these people go, shit, I've got to buy this. Otherwise, when your grand's phoning you up and going, hey, have you heard of this thing called Bitcoin? I'm going to spend all my life savings on it. They're selling all of these big institutions are selling into these people who are buying, buying it up. Yeah, and that's how the markets work. And in order to be able to navigate those markets, yeah, they say when there's blood in the streets, that's the best time to buy. It's when it all sounds like there's no hope in yeah, any yeah, yeah. futures, forex, or crypto. And this isn't financial advice. And please, please don't <laughs> go on my word. But that's usually the time when you should be considering looking for opportunities based on technical or fundamental analysis. But yeah, we all hundred percent. Like if I put in what I did last year, my my uh, my holding would be significantly more. And uh, it's definitely a a lesson. It's definitely one where you actually. It's really interesting when you talk about your own psychology or emotion. You can. It's it's a it's a real practical example to go. How like for me poker right. I'd do three or four rounds, play strategically, play tactically, 
And then for some reason, like I just check out mentally. Like I can't maintain that attention for that long, so I just go all in. You know what I mean? I am, mm-hmm. I am not the kind of guy. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's great. Oh, mate, I, I've, I've enjoyed that short part of our conversation. Thank you, my friend. And um, I'd be honoured if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self. I think it has to be that don't let other people define you as a human being and i appreciate if someone had said that to me 10 years ago that would have put me into be like well who the fuck am i spend time investing into yourself read books listen to podcasts get a better understanding of the world around you get a better understanding and improve your education because slowly but surely and without you even realizing it you start to pick the best bits of those learnings and adopt them into your own style and suddenly being yourself mm-hmm. becomes a lot more natural so don't let other people's perceptions of you define who you are understand who you are and understand that your potential is is limitless it's all based on the amount of time that you're able to spend loving and caring for yourself Love that. Chris, thank you so much for your time, brother. Thank you very much. Good to see you again. Hey, my friends, thank you for making it to the end. I hope that our time spent together today has left you a little bit better than before you push play. I'd really appreciate if you just took a moment to leave a review to allow me to meet more people where they are and hopefully leave them a little bit better too. If you're curious to know how I, through Always Better Than Yesterday, can serve you, your team, your organisation, then head to alwaysbetterthanyesterday.com to connect. And while you're there, let me know one or two things that you're going to do as a result of listening to this conversation. I absolutely love hearing your thoughts, your reflections, and the things that this spark in your own heart and mind. If you want more insights from my heart and mind, I do send out short episodes on a Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And again, I hope that they serve you well. I appreciate you listening. I'm Ryan Hartley, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast, a podcast for heart-centered leaders just like you.